My lovely guest today is family. She is my sister-in-law, Melanie Gillespie, and is our second visitor from Canada. Mel does it all. She writes, she sings, and she's a mother to three boys and the wife of my only sibling. We're so happy she found some time to talk with us about her lockdown journey. Welcome, Mel. Thank you, Charmaine. And Mel is not fantastic. Happy to, happy to be part of your your um, your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Mel, tell us about your lockdown journey, how it began and what has it been like for you and the family? Sure. So um, I've been quarantined at home with my family, actually, since March 2nd. So my quarantine journey started with a work trip to Seattle. Um, after a week of, of meeting, I had one free day before coming home and I had this incredible day just walking around downtown Seattle, wandering out around the famous Pikes Place. And um, I even went to um, Mopop, the Museum of Popular Culture, and had, had a really great time. I arrived home on uh, the 28th of February um, to the news that the governor of Washington state had just declared a state of emergency due to COVID. And so uh, when I came back, I was asked to self-isolate for 14 days um, by my workplace. And so that's when my journey began. Right. So you started your quarantine a lot uh, sooner than we did. Um, Right. Yeah. So, you know, what was that like, you know, being quarantined while the rest of the world was like, you know, it was, yeah, it was very unsettling for me at first. Um, It was very early days. Um, It felt like the world was moving all around me and I was the only one standing still. So, um, and I know in the news, there was a lot of confusion around spread. The messages were mixed. Decisions about social distancing weren't yet in place. So I did find it very unsettling for the first um, few days because of the situation. Um, And then, of course, you know, I was getting ready to return to work or like to return to what I um, thought would be normal. And then the whole world um, caught up and was on lockdown. Right. So how did that feel then? I mean, was it a scary time for you, you know, knowing that you were in Seattle, you know, where the the hotspot was? How how did that impact, you know? You know, um, because I have a background in public health, I just took it in stride. Like I know, um, you know, about the rules of social distancing and the impact that it has on on, you know, flattening the curve um, for illness. And it's not the first outbreak that I've um, experienced or or had to deal with. So from that position, um, it felt fine. For me, it was just really around, um, you know, creating creating a, a work environment for home. Um, so, yeah. Right. So you, you're lucky because you can work from home as I do. Right. So, you know, how is that, how is that uh, process? Well, for me, um, because I work in international development, I work for a large NGO that's focused on vulnerable children around the world. Um, we are wired to connect with global teams. So I often work from home, you know, when I have calls early in the morning or late at night with, you know, our global teams, say like, for example, in Kenya or in, in any part of the world, really. And um, we have provisions to work from home once or twice a week. Um, some of my colleagues actually work from home three days a week. So I'm used to this setup. Um, and I love it because oh, it right. allows me to do more focused work. Um, so I have a really busy job with lots of interruptions. So for me, 
creating the space and the time to actually work on one thing at a time has been great. Um, you know, but I did have to make some adjustments because, you know, because I wasn't um, in a home office all the time, I did create an attractive workspace for myself and also realized that I needed a standing workstation. So I just kind of recreated a makeshift station with, um, with magazine boxes oh, so that okay. I was sitting all day. Yeah. And oh, good, work, good, good. Yeah. My workstation is, is two inches from my sitting. <laughs> my standing <laughs> station is two. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. So you, you actually work for a nonprofit now. Um, I do. So tell us how, you know, the, the quarantine has impacted your industry or what your industry, you know, how are they reacting to COVID? Cause I know you guys are helping folks. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, we, our organization is supporting COVID response in more than 70 countries. And so my office in particular is actively um, providing COVID response in 28 of those countries. And the focus really is on the most vulnerable communities. So, um, so places um, like fragile contexts where there are refugees or internally displaced people, um, you know, so it's really working with the local governments to make sure that there's um, a supply of uh, personal protective equipment. It's helping to plan programs um, that can't continue face to face and maybe have to develop other ways of doing things. And then just being really conscious of what COVID means for some families, um, you know, even here. So, um, you know, my understanding is that the incidence of things like um, gender-based violence has increased um, both in our communities and then globally. So it's really um, been a lot of work helping our teams to create COVID plans and to make sure that funds are released to, to the countries that need it and that there's some flexibility in how they can now use those funds in terms of COVID response, um, you know, instead of their original projects. So it's right. very, very busy at work. Oh, yeah. wow, I can imagine. So do you see any kind of changes or any adjustments in how you work moving forward? Or, you know, do you think this is just a temporary um, way of working or do you think it will affect, you know, how you guys interact long term? I think it's really going to I think this has become sort of like a social experiment in terms of what's possible. Um, our industry, just like many other industries, um, this is going to have economic um, implications as well, too. And right. so I think it's helped our executive to, team to see that business can can move forward quite efficiently without all of us being in the office all of the time. And so what might it look like to um, reduce their requirements for people to work from, from home and maybe look at leasing space to other organizations that, that need it? Um, you know, so I think that um, even though it's been a difficult and challenging time, I think it's forced our leadership to, to look at working in different ways. So that I think is positive. Right. So I know, you know, you're taking care of the family and, you know, you're working quite a bit like, you know, so what are you doing on your downtime or do you have any downtime? Yeah. You know, I, I envisioned that I would have all of this downtime, which I love because you and I are very similar. We have lists of things that we like to, to do to start. Right. Um, and I thought, oh, great, this will be a good time for me to 
to be able to do some of those things. But I'm finding that, um, you know, that if I'm not intentional about it, this period has taught me that um, the time will go by and, you know, that list will be un- untouched. So I do have a wish list of things that I'd like to pursue. Um, and um, I haven't actually had much time to pursue, um, you know, some of them. But um, one of the things that I hope to do is really to try a few new, new technologies um, around music. There's some, you know, there's some software that allows you to sing and harmonize with yourself. Um, I, I'd like to just, you know, dabble in and, and do some more of the arts-based things that, that sort of um, nurture my spirit. Right. Cause you're yeah. part of a choir too. So are you guys rehearsing? Like how's, how's that working? Yeah. So it's so interesting because you take for granted the things that you would be able to do. So, um, one of the things that choirs have not solved is how do you rehearse together, um, in a way that you can listen to each other virtually. Right. And so, um, zoom has been used a lot. Um, you'll see it in the media where you've, you've got you know, sort of different people in different locations singing and it sounds wonderful. And you think, oh, that's wonderful. Like you, you could um, imagine people just gathering and doing this in real time when we're in, when in reality, um, a lot of that is done individually and then they're relying digitally to pull all of the sound together in a studio. So, um, you know, who knew that we would be um, thinking about not being able to convene as a choir? One of the sad stories that um, that sticks with me is um, some of the early deaths in Washington State were in a choir that decided to keep mm-hmm. meeting and singing. And um, I believe that they lost at least three of their choir members mm-hmm. to COVID and others got sick. So, you know, things that you, you sort of take for granted you have to really think twice about. So I am actually meeting with one of my choirs after this, and we've just been using that time really to get to know each other. We've played online games together. Um, we've prayed together. Um, and, and we've just chatted just to keep that connection. Right. So I know, you know, you're a very spiritual person, you know, and you like to connect with family and friends. So, you know, like, you know, as you, you know, you're having these conversations with your choir members and family, you know, what do you think that, you know, if you were to look back at this time, what would you say you'd be most thankful for? Well, you know, Charmaine, to be honest, I'm thankful for, for many things. Um, uh, one of the things that I'm really thankful for is, is really truly to be healthy and alive. Um, right. Yeah. I've since found out since that, since I came home that I was likely exposed to COVID-19 as one of the colleagues that I worked closely with for that week in Seattle was ill with the virus for almost a whole month Oh wow! Um, in March. And um, he's fine now. Um, but when I look back in retrospect, um, you know, I went to Mopop and I touched everything, you know, yeah. because it's a very oh, interactive wow. experience. And so I just feel like I was covered, you know, that yeah. um, I could have had COVID. I did come back and I wasn't well for a few days, but it never really materialized into anything significant. So I'm just really thankful that, um, you know, while I was exposed, either I had a very mild form or I didn't have it and I didn't spread it to the, you know, the people around me. So, you know, this is something, you know, our health is something that we take for granted. But when I read all of the sad stories, all of the unexpected people who 
don't necessarily fit the bill of, you know, um, most likely to die of COVID. I am just really thankful to still be here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I, huge. I was just, um, I was chatting with a friend a couple of days ago who had the virus and his story was just really, I mean, he was so ill and he said, you know, you know, at one point he thought, you know, maybe I'm not going to make it. And then he, you know, he, he was telling me that he had read about a marathon runner, you know, who had passed away, you know, who was supposedly healthy. Right. So I I completely understand what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think as time goes by, I think we realize, um, the more and more time goes by, the less and less we actually know about how that how the virus behaves. Right. And, um, you know, some people don't have the respiratory symptoms, but, you know, there are a lot of people who've had, um, uh, who've had things like strokes and things. So it seems like it affects other systems as well, either during the time of being ill or, or sometime after. So, yeah, I just no longer take my health for granted and really have tried to nurture that um, during this time. And I'm also really grateful for the opportunity that's presented itself. You know, um, the closeness, the closeness that I feel with, with, with my husband, for example, Um, you know, we get more time to do check-ins during the day, the late night chats, you know, just like listening to music together. It's, it's really nurtured our relationship and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and honestly, I'm just thankful that I'm surrounded by all of the networks of friends and family that I have. I can honestly say that I have never felt isolated right. um, since this began. And um, that's a blessing because I know that for, for some people, particularly, you know, people who may not be part of a church family or people who, who may live alone don't necessarily have some of those networks. And I really draw in support and encouragement from from those networks. And some of them are things like, you know, like you said, like my choirs or the praise and worship teams that I'm part of. Um, but some of them are really unlikely. So, you know, I, I call them my Zumba tribe. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so these are women that I, you know, I don't know at all. Some of them have, we go to the same gym, but I have a, I have a Zumba instructor who has classes everywhere. And so the most fun part of the class is, you know, at the end where she says, okay, everyone turn your video on, unmute yourself. And we just chat for 10 minutes and just check in with, with each other. And some of these people are as far away as um, Argentina and Australia. So it's just really cool to have that sense of, um, you know, connection with people. And um, of course, you know, there's my church family and my family. Um, I have you guys. And even though you're in New Jersey and I'm in, in, in um, Brampton, I still feel that closeness, like Zoom, the Zoom calls we've had where we've celebrated birthdays or just, you know, talked about our days really have nurtured my spirit. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, with these new relationships and enhanced relationships, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can maintain this even, you know, once we get over this crisis. Um, Do you see any other, are you hoping for, or do you see any other changes, you know, to society coming out of this period? Yeah, it's interesting. When you ask me that, the optimist in me sees a lot of good things. Um, and so, uh, you know, 
one of, one of the things I think is important to understand is like we're part of a global community. And this is one of the first experiences where we will all experience the same thing. It crosses borders. It's no respecter of class or race. Um, I just think it's important for us to remember, you know, that we're part of a global community. And when the quarantine ends for us here, it may be just getting started or peaking somewhere else around the world. And so I don't think there is this idea of going back. We'll have to create a new normal. Right. Um, Yeah. And, And I think like what I can see is. You, you can definitely see the evidence that we were created to be in relationship, right? And as human beings, we crave connection. And we can see now as time goes by, you know, how difficult it is to maintain social distance. And so I think at, when it's over, we're going to need time to heal. We're going to need time to um, think about what we just went through. Right. And time, yeah, time to create a new normal. Um, so I'm anticipating like in the short term, there'll be less social gatherings. And so uh, we'll have to uh, probably experiment, experiment more with some of the things that we've done during COVID um, and, and think about all the ways we connect like think about all the ways we connect that are expressed through physical touch, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like we shake hands at work. We hug, we, we hug each other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, one of know. my friends, she's adamant that we cannot not go back to that. She's like, we have to connect. We have to. We have to. I know. All of the extroverts will come running, you know, and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be hugging each other. But you know what? People are going to be cautious. Um, And so to me, um, we have the opportunity to be better and do better. Like one of the things that I've realized about myself is um, I'm way too uh, consumerist. Like I don't need half of the things that I think I need. And, um, you know, now we look around the house and we make do, right? Like when we're cooking a recipe and you don't have exactly the thing you need, you look in your cupboards again to see if there's something else you can substitute, right? Um, I mean, I've been living in t-shirts and leggings for the last (laughs) 10 weeks, right? And I'm realizing, you know what? There is so much in my closet that there's, there's no hope of ever wearing any of that, even like it will take me two years. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, so I just kind of feel like, if we're intentional, things can be better, right? I think we'll see the rebirth of simple things like um, the joy of conversation and just chatting with somebody and just being together. Um, You know, we've had to strip away all the trimmings of really elaborate parties and get togethers and things and just make do with, you know, a simple conversation like you and I are having right right now, you know? Um, I think we could be more creative. Um, just think about how connected we are to our food, you know, and the choices that we've we've been making over the last little while. Um, and then just the joy of being outdoors and going for a walk. These are all things I think that we um, we've taken for granted before, but I think that we'll be forced to do things more simply. And there's beauty in that, I think. 
Um, right. I think now we can even yeah. hear the birds chirping a lot more. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is that the animals are getting more bold and we're seeing more. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot more wildlife because we realize that the humans are all sort of stuck inside. So, yes. you know, yeah, they, uh, it's funny. I was walking the other day and there was a Canada geese sitting right in the middle of the sidewalk. And I crossed the road because it looked fierce. Like it didn't look like it was moving. <laughs> You know, so I think we have potential to 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 be better and, and do better. But if we're not intentional, we'll quickly just kind of get caught up in the rhythm of, you know, um, of, of what we did before. I think, you know, um, hopefully it, it will have made us more empathetic to our neighbors and those people in the communities that that are more vulnerable. Um, so I know that people have taken more time to call those people who live alone or check in with seniors. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just kept doing that after, Right, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been quarantined for, I think, I don't even know, over two months now. So you yeah. think we should have developed some habits, right? I mean, if it, takes, <laughs> if it takes how many days you think? <laughs> You right. create a habit. We should have created. We some. should have. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. As you said, it's a social experiment. So let's see how it manifests. Let's see how we do. After, right. So yeah. you know, one last question for you, Mel. How are you finding you know your sense of peace and comfort? Do you have any particular practice, you know, that you do every day or you know several times a day? You know, how are you finding your inner peace? Well, I'm one of those people who have a lot of ideas and good intentions for doing that. And um, uh, there's a few things that I've done consistently, and there's a few few things I wish I, I, I would do more consistently, but um, I'm very goal-oriented. And so I've had to learn how to manage my expectations that not every day will be perfect um, you know, some days will be tougher. Um, we also have our youngest is, is an adult, but he has um, an intellectual disability and he's still in school. So some days he just decides that he's not doing, <laughs> he's not doing school. <laughs> we so, have that too. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and some days he's really like, because for him, it's really it's been really difficult. You know, he's a creature of habit. His whole routine has been dismantled right. and he doesn't understand why. And so we're the only people um, around him that he can sort of complain to. Um, so I just have to, to be kind to myself. I realize that not every day is going to be perfect or go according to my plan. Um, I think for me, I've had to acknowledge that this time it's not you business as usual and it's, more physically and emotionally taxing. So I give myself permission to sleep longer, um, you know, and then um, I just had to sort of come to terms with the fact that, you know, this is not going to be a skinny period or a keto (laughs) moment, you know. Um, I just found it was too much. It was just too much pressure that I was putting on myself. Right, right. So I thought, okay, what are three simple things that I can do to, you know, maintain my physical health and then also my sanity during this time. And so I settled on really simple things. So um, the intermittent fasting, for example, I had been doing all along. Mm -hmm. So I've I've managed to maintain that. 
Um, I exercise every day doing what I love, which is dancing, whether it's like Zumba or soca size or whatever. Right. Um, Cause music really lifts my spirits. Um, and um, I drink water throughout the day and I thought, you know what, these are my three go-tos during this time. And um, I'm not going to worry about the rest right now. Right. You know, um, doing things like keto mean that you have to have certain things in the house. And you know what? You can't just run to the grocery store every day. Right, <laughs> and so right. I'm thinking, no, this is the moment to eat what's around. Um, these are the moments of baking. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, there's the, there's the whole emotional aspect to it. So to me, those things nurture my spirit. And so, um, so I do those those things. Um, I've been reading, I've been listening to music. Um, I like writing poetry. And so I've, um, I do that from time to time. Um, I've been watching inspirational documentaries and I've, and I've turned off the news, um, yes. you know, for significant periods. Cause I find that, um, if you're, if, if you're watching it all the time, then you have no escape. And, um, you know, the news is, you know, 95% of it is, is sad. Um, right. And so, um, you know, just controlling the amount of news that I take in every day has been really important. Um, and then, you know, just things like, um, uh, you know, this was, this was the year, our 25th anniversary, and we really were supposed to be actually going on a trip to Europe next weekend. And so it's sort of like, it's important to acknowledge your disappointments, you know, um, and then just relinquish control. So what I realize I do sometimes to manage my stress is um, just to think about what's happening in the future. It's like, oh, I can get through this this week, you know, with all the deadlines because next week I'll be on vacation. Right. Now we're stripped away of all of that, right? So we have to, we have to find, um, we have to come to terms with that inside of ourselves, right? Even when there's nothing external to look forward to, we have to create those things, right? So, um, so I would say that's how I find comfort and peace of mind is sort of letting go of some of my um, expectations expectations um, yeah. yeah but I would say that my constants are my faith and so uh, part of what I did in my home office was um, to create a bulletin board um, and I just fill it with all kinds of affirmations so every day I look at this bulletin board and I see things like you know uh, messages that say don't give up you are a warrior or um, you know, some favorite Bible verses, like I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, you know, so every day um, I start with some encouragement to myself and um, that really nurtures my spirit too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Mel. This is a perfect way to end, you know, our conversation. Really appreciate it. Very enlightening and just very comforting. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes.